Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Catherine Canty about the stakeholder-centered coaching method. Catherine Canty, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, John. Yeah, I'm thrilled to be with you today. You're joining us from South Carolina. I'm here in Orem, Utah, and we're going to be talking today about stakeholder-centered coaching method. Uh, This is a really interesting topic to me. I I think looking at um, business vitality and how to to get past the digital divide in the modern workplace, particularly during this COVID period, I think is really important. And we're gonna explore that from this stakeholder-centered coaching method kind of a perspective. As we get started, I wanted to share Catherine's bio with everybody. Catherine Canty is a tenacious connector and recovering banker. She is a leadership coach helping high potential managers turn into senior leaders. And her sales program for business to business selling is created, uh, creating exceeding results. Catherine is a wife and mom and cares about closing and broadband gaps in rural communities. Uh, such a wonderful background. I'm, I'm, again, super excited to be with you. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background or personal context before we dive on into the conversation? I think you did a great job and, and I'm looking forward just to sharing stories and, and best practices. And if that helps somebody else, then this is well worth the, uh, the call and, and sharing information. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you. And let's start with some definitions. Again, I I was trying to frame in that introduction, you know, currently, of course, we're in the middle of this pandemic. Uh, So many organizations have gone virtual or hybrid uh, with with, uh, dispersed workforce uh, distributed, you know, in some cases across the world. Um, More and more organizations, you know, are, are becoming more comfortable with those types of technologies. Um, but it's been a hard year and a half. It's, it's been a, a steep learning curve for a lot of people, for a lot of organizations to be able to go through that digital transformation and to have that kind of a transition. And during all of this, you know, people like you and me are, are doing work with organizational leaders to coach and, and to help them adapt. Um, and so while there are a lot of different coaching methodologies out there, there's a lot of different approaches uh, you know, one is the stakeholder-centered coaching method, which is the one that you employ. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? What, what makes this method unique? Uh, why do you find it to be valuable? And then we can look more at how that uh, specific method may help within this current context. Yes, John, I'm, I'm happy to share about stakeholder center coaching. You, um, you shared a, a lot of different topics, um, not just about the stakeholder center coaching piece, but also the digital divide that's taking place across the country and the world. And um, I think 
one thing with COVID and, and this pandemic and everything that's taking place, there's a lot of change that's taking place. And with a lot of change comes opportunity if we have the right mindset to be able to receive the opportunity that's coming our way. Um, there's been a lot of change just in the past 10, 20 years, even the past 100 years. Um, we didn't have electricity in, in all the homes that were around the country. And so normal back then would be a kerosene lantern. And to put fire and electricity into a home was just unheard of. And so opportunities pop up and it's our decision of whether we want to embrace them and, and continue to lean in and be curious about where this is going to take us. And and I think spending more than two decades in corporate America, there are just a lot of people that are searching for more out of life. And I think the millennials that are coming in to the workplace are also expressing that there's more to life than what my parents showed me, which was working, you know, 24 seven and never really having a break. And, you know, as I, as I work with leaders, I'm beginning to incorporate, you know, how are you balancing this work-life integration and how are you taking time away for yourself to be able to refresh and recharge because that's just as important as the contribution that you're making at the office. So um, as devastating and, and as, as terrible as, as the pandemic is, I think it's also a way for us to embrace this change that I think has been spurring in that corporate environment for quite some time, just that need to be able to work in a different way and finally have permission to do that. So um, just kind of sharing that is just kind of like the forefront of it. And then as far as um, the digital divide, there is um, just a, a big need in these rural communities. I know for sure, at least across America and probably beyond that, if we expanded beyond just that, that topic. But what we're seeing is there's reliable broadband gaps. And as people are beginning to want more space, maybe a bigger house and some land and, and be able to just kind of step out of the city in some of these metro areas, as they come into the markets where I live, which is a rural community, um, you've got a lot of wonderful talent here, but we don't always have reliable broadband at people's houses. And so we have a lot of people that are moving in from, you know, the Charlotte area, the Atlanta area, New York, California. And they're like, what do you mean? You can't have consistent internet. And I've got a, a friend that lives in California and they came at, they live here for the summertime um, just to kind of get away from the hustle and bustle. And they're here and they had to cut their trip short because they can't get reliable broadband at their house here. And so it's pulling them back to the city because work has to continue and people have to keep working and contributing and um, identifying where the gaps are is, is the first step. And then creating partnerships and collaborations with the providers, and then also bridging um, some partnerships with private and, and public funding to be able to help bridge that gap is pretty much going to be like rolling out electricity, we're going to be rolling out broadband and um, we've seen a lot of really exciting changes that have been taking place. But once again, I think this this pandemic is, is pushing on us to push a little bit further and lean into the curiosity of what does it take to take this to the next step. And um, you're seeing a lot of telecommunication providers step up to the plate and, um, and want to be able to help close this gap. So um, I know that that was a long-winded answer um, just in regards to um, reliable broadband and um, the pandemic, but I just kind of wanted to, to, to share those thoughts first. I don't know if you have anything before I jump into stakeholder center coaching. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate that. And it resonates with me. My family, most of my family lives out in rural Missouri. And it's only been 
within the last couple of years that they've had any sort of decent, reliable, high-speed internet. And when I say high-speed, it's not like where I'm at, you know, it's, it's not like gigabyte um, internet, but it's certainly better than, you know, really what they had for so long until I think they were still on dial up until like 10 years ago. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it, it's a really, get it. <laughs> yeah, it's a really tough thing. And so, you know, it, that does hinder the ability uh, for people, you know, digital nomads, people who want to work anywhere um, and, and more and more organizations have gone to distributed workforce and allowing people to work remotely. And so if that's the case, why not go, you know, if, if, if you want to live out in rural countryside somewhere and just enjoy nature and, and enjoy the beauties of, of that area. Uh, and you can do your work from there just as easily as anywhere else. And the cost of living is way cheaper and uh, way lower. You know, why not do that? Um, but if you don't have reliable internet, that's a big issue. So I appreciate your comments on that and the work that you're doing to try to bridge that digital divide and, and help, uh, you know, allow people to do that. That's something definitely that I've seen out where my parents live. Um, there are lots of people that are moving out there because of the cost of living issues and the, just the quality of life, work-life balance issues. Um, yet, you know, the, the, the one main hindrance is probably just access to uh, reliable high-speed internet. So I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. So, oh, go ahead. You want me to jump into stakeholder centered yeah, coaching? So let, I, let's jump I didn't in. answer your first one. <laughs> yeah, let's jump into um, stakeholder-centered coaching method. Um, what is that? Like, what are the particular elements of that that really make that stand out and something that you want to focus your work on? Yeah, so stakeholder-centered coaching is a method that has been around for over 40 years with um, at least a 95% or higher success rate with leaders. And it is measured results. And as a former banker, you know, numbers and results are very, very important because a lot of times you see a one and done type training class and everybody expects miracles. And we know that true change doesn't happen with a 45 minute seminar and a high five out the door. So um, stakeholder center coaching actually requires the leader. Um, to be able to have courage and discipline and humility to be able to engage stakeholders. And a stakeholder is going to be their manager, their peers, their direct reports. There's usually about a half a dozen of these folks. And the leader that we work with actually go to these stakeholders that are in their work environment. And we ask for them to be advocates and to be able to share feed forward information. And feed forward is different than feed back. Feed forward is we're asking for things in the future that we can do to improve upon. And it starts with a very basic um, um, framework. And it starts with ask, listen, thank. And if you look at your, your computer to the left and to the right of the space bar, there's the alt key. And I like to joke, you know, we're sitting in these, these long drawn out meetings and we're kind of feeling stuck. And I've used this in my own career where I see the alt key and it, it just triggers a memory. It's ask, listen, thank. And so when I feel stuck or I feel like there could be more, I'll ask a question to one of the stakeholders or even to anybody in the room. And I listen to what the answer is. I don't argue with them. I don't tell them that it didn't work in the past, but I just listen to what they have to say. And then I just say, thank you at the very end. So it's an ask a very open-ended future focused question. What can we do better next time? Um, and then listen, don't argue and simply say, thank you. And there's a, that's an entire conversation. You don't have to have a, have a two-way dialogue, but that's pretty much the premise of stakeholder center coaching is engaging these stakeholders, just like you would with closing broadband gaps or um, any other opportunity, the pandemic, you know, even though we may not be together all the time, but we're still collaborating with people, but in different ways. 
And so ask the question, listen to what others have to say, and simply say thank you. From that point, you are able to decide what you want to do. You may not want to do any of it, and that's totally fine. Um, but if you are curious enough to ask the question, consider what was said. Um, if there's a theme, two or three or four people are saying the same thing, there's a great opportunity there that you can actually maybe change one or two things. And really, if you want to create the change, you want to create the recognition from others is you go back and you follow up with your stakeholders and you share what you heard, what you tried and what you're willing to do going forward. And um, the consistency and the messaging with that and the clarity that comes with that is going to create recognition. And I'm working with a, a group of leaders now and the recognition part is the hardest part. And, um, you know, these are our humble, um, hardworking, um, you know, executive level leaders. And they're like, but I don't wanna advertise that I'm doing this. You know, people should just notice. But that's part of the process is you have to get others to retrain the way they see you. And um, that is what's going to put you in the next position that's going to allow you to be able to give more to whatever it is that you're working on. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Yeah, I love that. I mean, so much there that I think we can zoom in on. And it starts really with intention um, to be present with the people that you're coaching and to really truly listen, right? Uh, and I think that's something that, that differentiates coaching generally from, you know, more of a mentoring uh, type of a relationship that you might have with somebody. And mentoring is also important. Um, but coaching is about helping, helping others, helping the people you're coaching to uncover and discover themselves, uh, the answers to their questions, their challenges, and to help them figure out how to, to structure their path moving forward, right? And so that starts with listening. That starts with really just paying close attention to what their issues are, what the context is, what they're dealing with, um, and then crafting questions that push introspection, self-reflection, and, and encourage them to, like you were saying, to think into the future, to think about, um, the, to envision the type of future that they want to see, and then 
you know, think about the steps that are going to be necessary to to arrive at that uh, and, and to achieve that vision. Uh, and so I love I love the focus. I love uh, really honing in on on the stakeholders that you meet with. And maybe you can describe a little bit of how a typical session goes uh, when you're meeting with somebody, whether it's an individual or sometimes if you're meeting with a group of people. Um, how do you how do you set the stage when when you're meeting with them um, to, to start the process of, of asking those questions and listening and, and feeding forward uh, like you were just describing? Yeah, so the, the very first meeting, um, well, first, there's always multiple meetings, you know, conversations and, and building a relationship just to see if it's a good fit. And it's okay if it's not. Um, this is definitely not for everybody. And this is going to be for the team that is already creating exceeding results and you want to take them to the next level. So think about professional sports or any kind of, you know, top level um, um, professionals that are out there, they're going to engage on that coach or that that next person that's going to help them even fine tune their game even more. And um, the uh, the first conversation actually starts with the founder or with the CEO of the organization. And those are typically defined as the sponsor for the work that we're going to be doing. And it's real important to have a sponsor set at the very top level to be able to set the tone and to set the expectations of this is what we're trying to do as an organization. And this is where we're going to continue to grow going forward. And um, they, they engage who the, the leaders are going to be. And this actually works for either individuals one-on-one, -on -one, or this can work for a team. And um, I've had the, the luxury of being able to work with both. And I think some of one of the more interesting conversations I've had is I worked with a, an individual one-on-one, -on -one, and then we expanded the program to include her team. And she says, you know, it's really, it was fun to work, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, but now the rest of the folks are coming in and they're really taking these conversations that we've had one-on-one -on -one and we're expanding it out into the team. And it's like, everything's clicking, but it's clicking at a new level. And we're shifting thought processes from focusing on what the problem is to focusing on all the solutions that can take place. And it's really shifting the way people are thinking and shifting the way they're responding to things and, and beginning to look at things into the future and knowing that if we're going to take this organization to, you know, the next level, we've got to stop doing a lot of stuff that we're doing and we've got to start visualizing what our future is going to look like. And yeah, all these individuals have really stepped up to the plate and grown themselves, but they're going to have to really let go of a lot of stuff that got them to where they are and revision where they want to go next and fully embrace it. And another thing that I've noticed with a lot of these leaders is the answer is already inside them. They're either too busy um, they don't want to take the time to sit down. They don't have the priorities to, to force themselves to sit down to reflect on what, what the answer is. And they're totally missing opportunities because they're not taking a step back to really listen to our intuition and what our gut is trying to tell us, which we have survived off of our intuition and gut for, you know, hundreds of thousands of years. And, and so now, you know, with, with so many different things coming at us, it's hard and, and people are, you know, responding to, you know, cell phones and laptops and everything else that we're missing what our intuition's telling us. And so when we force in some reflection time in there, even just five minutes a day, they are able to listen to what 
they know they need to do next. They can confirm with it. They can experiment with it. They can test it one or two times, see if it works, celebrate some small successes, and then build on that. And, um, you know, at, at the original part of this question, you asked, you know, what does it look like? It starts with the sponsor. It starts with the person at the top who is ready for the team to take it to the next level. And that's the very first conversation that we have. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right that that so many leaders just get so caught up in the day-to-day -day grind uh, of everything that they're trying to accomplish. And, and being a leader is tough. It's, it's, it's a heavy weight. Uh, it's, it's a weight that you don't get to ever let go of um, while you're in that role. Uh, even when you go home at night or you go off on the weekends or even when you're off on vacation, it can be really hard to let go of that weight, that responsibility and and you know, just just recognizing that you have a team of people relying on you uh, to help them be successful and to help the organization be successful—that's that's a lot. Um, and so, I think leaders, even with the best of intentions, often will fall into the trap of not uh, allowing themselves the quiet time, the self-reflective time, uh, to to just be present in the moment, to really consider their vision how that plays into their strategic focus and how they're prior prioritizing their time. Um, even just the little things they do, like how much time they spend on email versus meeting with their people in person or uh, whatever. And, and like you said, it doesn't take a lot. Um, now, someone, a leader who's not used to doing this, one of the reasons why they need coaching is because they need someone to help them learn to prioritize quieting their mind, self-reflection, those sorts of things. And so coaching sessions can be part of that to model for them how that can happen and what it could look like. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's just a matter of like making sure, even if it's a really small amount of time, five, 10 minutes a day, um, you know, I, I would advocate for more than that. But for someone who's really busy, who hasn't been doing it, like that's a really great start. And it's going to uh, reap a lot of benefits. And so uh, allowing people to just reconnect heart, body, mind um, to their, you know, how they're, how they approach the challenges that they face, how they interact with their people, the, the, hopefully the authentic connections that they're having with their people, all of that, I think is just so essential. Uh, and while it may seem obvious, uh, it's not obvious. Like it, it's, it's a hard thing for people to do. And the vast majority of, of humans out there aren't doing this consistently, uh, because they're too wrapped up in just the daily grind and, and all the technology that's there that distracts them and grabs their attention, is vying for their attention. Uh, all of that can hinder our ability to just quiet our mind, be present, and, and go through those, those self-reflective kinds of experiences. Yeah, they, um, they joke that you know, oh, we're chasing a squirrel, you know, one minute or, you know, oh, a squirrel, you know, you're just kind of like, oh, there we go again off that other topic. And I've got somebody else that, that describes it as just trying to keep all the marbles on the table and, and you're trying to manage everything. And at some point you got to let something go because you're not going to be able to do this by yourself any longer if you want to continue to grow. And I try to explain you know, it's going to feel uncomfortable to take that quiet time at first. And, and I just start with five minutes because I mean, my gosh, if we can't find five minutes, we got bigger issues. And um, they're like, it's just so hard for five minutes. And so we'll talk about, you know, there's free apps like Calm that you can download. And it's just a, 
a meditative app that talks to you while you're sitting there just to get through the first five minutes of, of sitting in quiet. And then they begin to realize after doing this for a month and I, you know, sometimes I'll just get creative and just tailor different solutions based off the group. And we did a calendar and I just said, Hey guys, I just need you to check Mark, which days are you able to do the five minutes at a minimum? And they came back and the folks, you know, it wasn't perfect. And I wasn't going for perfect. I was just going for the intention of trying to dedicate time and just realizing, you know, what, what you're doing and being present with what you're doing and the folks that were successful with it. Um, it felt awkward, but I reminded them if it's awkward, that means you're growing and you're heading in the right direction. And I said, so what happened during those five minutes? And they said, you know, I, I figured out that I forgot to do two or three things. And before I would never let that slip, but this five minutes just allowed me to recapture some items that could have slipped through the cracks, which wouldn't have been a big deal. But if it's a couple items every week, it begins to create a bigger impact and having that time for reflection, whether it's sitting in a calm app for a guided meditation, or whether it's just sitting in your car and turning your phone on silent for five minutes and just making a mental list or just being present, um, just see what it can capture for you and start small and just celebrate the fact that you took five minutes and you're already ahead of the competition because there's so many people and leaders that are out there who are responding to the squirrel and the squeaky wheel and keeping the marbles on the table that if you could just take five minutes and, and create the clarity that you need, you're going to go ahead and accelerate beyond the other folks that, that you may be competing yeah. against in the business world. Yeah, and I and I get it. It's it may seem counterintuitive to people, but in in this case, doing less is more, right? Yeah, <laughs> quieting your mind allows you um, to reconnect with your intuition. It allows you to just reconnect the the the, mm -hmm. the body, mind, um, and heart, um, and all those different elements of what makes us who we are, and allows us to make good decisions. Uh, and that clarity can then allow us to just be far more effective and efficient. It can, it can allow us also to be more creative and innovative. Uh, and so it really should be a no brainer. And, but I, I get it. I get why people fall into the trap. I get why people um, get sucked into just the grind and the busyness and the twirling and the chasing the squirrels and whatever. Uh, and ultimately, you know, we just, we just got to commit, we got to commit to, to, taking that time. And that's why coaching can be so valuable. Uh, I really appreciate the focus that you take on stakeholder centered coaching and how you shared what you've shared about that with us today and the insights that you shared. I know at the time we're getting close to the end of our time and I, I, I want to let you get on with your busy day, but before we close today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, and then give us the final topic on the find, Give us the final word on the topic for today. Thank you. Um, thanks, John, for having me. My website is katherinecanty.com. You can also find me at LinkedIn with Catherine Canty. If you visit my website, there is a resource page and you can find that at katherinecanty.com forward slash resources. And this is where we're keeping topics of um, just kind of short white papers and uh, also some other podcasts that we've been able to share some of these stories with. So if you're interested in any of that, that's going to be out there as well. And then I've also shared some um, videos around why it's important to think differently. And um, also over the years, I've been able to uh, work with a lot of founders and CEOs 
And they have shared a lot of best practices that have worked for them to continue to be successful over all these years. So um, I've been able to put some of these best practices together and uh, have created a framework called Business Vitality. So you'll learn more about that at my site as well. And uh, stakeholder center coaching is definitely a huge part of it because as you set the vision and the strategy, you need to implement and create stronger collaboration and break down some of those silos that have been around. And stakeholder center coaching is a, is a wonderful way to be able to execute and, and grow leadership within an organization. So thanks again for having me. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected with Catherine, find out more about what she can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.